the greatest battle in your life is with you. I've learned from my callers there's more wisdom in AA than at Harvard. I mean that literally. Self-control is infinitely more important than self-esteem. I didn't break her. I can't fix her. Welcome to From the Inside Out. I'm Rifta. And I'm Ida. We're mums, wives, entrepreneurs, and friends on a mission to change the world for the better, one conversation at a time. Through interviews with world-renowned thinkers, leaders, and our everyday heroes, we bring you wisdom, insight, and practical tools that can change your life for the better. We believe that every experience provides us with an opportunity for learning. Our job is to be patient with the process of growth and trust that our journey will lead us to where we're meant to be. Words can inspire us, but it's only once we channel that inspiration into action that we begin to experience the positive change we want to see in the world. We hope this platform will inspire you to create positive change in mind, body, and soul from the inside out. Thank you for being here and let the conversation begin. Happy Adar to all of you. I hope it's a beautiful one. I hope that this episode will bring you more happiness today and every day. We're finally doing in-person interviews now. How do you feel about it, Rifka? Because we've been doing Zoom for a long time, mainly because of COVID, but we've gotten so used to doing Zoom that it became convenient. But now, you know, I feel like we're venturing back into in-person interviews. I think there's nothing like in-person. I think that it's a little bit nerve-wracking before because you know that you've got to be prepared. You can't just rely on notes and laptops. Um, and there's something much more intense about interacting with someone in person. And at the same time, it's just amazing because you really connect to the person as just an energy that you can't tap into on Zoom. Especially when that person's Dennis Prager. Exactly. <laughs> Who has uh, multiple decades of experience talking to people on air live. And, uh, and those thoughts uh, were circling around in my mind beforehand. We were really nervous, but as soon as we walked in, he has such a warm and calm energy. It just, it just all flew right away. Didn't you feel the same way? Yeah, I did. And I, I was so nervous on the way there. I didn't feel prepared. I felt like we should have, I mean, and I, I don't feel like we are, ever, we ever feel fully prepared before an interview, you know? Yeah. Um, but. And, and the funny thing is that we prepare for hours, but we never. Yeah. Feel fully yeah. Prepared. You have to be, you know, you have to be ready even if you're not prepared. That's my yeah. philosophy. I'm ready, even though I might not feel fully prepared for this episode, but you know, it always works out. I think yeah. God, it has worked out for us so far. I love learning from people, especially someone as remarkable as Dennis Prager. I love learning from people like him who've been on this planet longer than we have and who have so much experience in so many different areas of life, having spoken to so many different people like we do, they, I feel like you and I do this, Rifka, because we want to bring our listeners, we want to bring you all shortcuts, things that we learned in our journey that might help you in yours. I think that that's essentially what we're doing in our interviews with people who have lived longer than we have. We want to get insight and wisdom from them that we can pass along to our listeners. It's such a win-win. It really feels like a blessing. It is a blessing from above. Yeah. And I think Dennis Prager needs no introduction. But we have to give him an introduction. We will. <laughs> For me, what stands out to me about him is that he's been doing what he does as a radio host for so many years. It's been, I think, over 40 years. And he's got this youthful passion and energy as if he was doing it, as if it was his first week of working. 
And I find that really inspiring and hopeful for the future. I agree with that. I showed my daughter a picture of the three of us. And she said, how old is he? I thought he was older, meaning she'd heard his name. And maybe the way I described how many years he's been in this business for, she said, I thought he was like in his seventies. And I said, no, he is in his seventies. He looks a lot younger than he is. And I think that it's largely because of his attitude and philosophy and the way he lives his life and the way he chooses to be happy. And that's why I wanted to focus less on his um, you know, his political views and his views on God and religion and more on who he is, you know, what his challenges are, how he gets through them, what he's learned in his in his career and in his life. You're going to hear a touch of that in this episode. Yeah, it does. It does seep through. But what we wanted to bring out is his life lessons. And that's what we did. I feel that that's what we did. You'll hear within the episode, he shared something here that he has never shared before. So he felt really comfortable with us, which I'm so uh, touched by. And Ida, I'm sure you're touched by that too, that you felt comfortable to share with us. What's your take? What was your takeaway from this episode? Like, you know, we're all coming with our own, with our own lens, our own perspective. I'd love to hear yours and then I'll share mine. And then we look forward to hearing from, from you, our listeners. Um, you can email us or send us a DM on social media and tell us what you learned from Mr. Dennis Prager. Uh, one of the things that stand out to me is that you can create a good life for yourself by choosing to be happy. Um, that's one thing. And I know it sounds cliche, but you're going to, you'll understand why I came to that conclusion when you listen to this episode, because Dennis Prager may seem like he has an amazing life, but he hasn't always had it easy yet. That's the vibe that you get from him. And that's because he chooses to live his life that way. And um, the other thing is truth and courage are what really count most in life in what it means to be a great person. I love that. And all conveyed in the, in the episode in different ways. I would say my favorite book of his was Happiness is a Serious Problem. It's a very intriguing title. Most humans want to be happy people. And there's a lot getting in the way of that. Um, but this month, there's actually a commandment to be happy. That's the month of Ador. And you know God doesn't give us a commandment that we can't observe that we can't keep. So if God is saying that that you're commanded to be happy, that means it's possible. And, you know, in Dennis's language, he shares how we have a moral obligation to be happy. And so I think that's very comforting to know that, that even if you don't feel happy, or even if you don't feel happy all of the time, that you have the tools within you to develop a sense of, of gratitude that will lead you to more happiness in your life. And, and it, it all starts with you. You know, happiness is an inside job and it's a choice. It's not always easy. People who have a much harder time, especially when there's you know, mental health issues involved, but know that it's possible. And I think just knowing the possibility of it can lead you closer to your desired goal. One more thing I want to share. You'll hear in the episode, he discusses friendships and how important they are in life. And I just want to give a shout out here to Ida, my partner oh. and friend. <laughs> we, we had a great time together and we felt very grateful for each other. I loved watching us both grow through this process and like watching us blossom in new ways. And I'm grateful for this friendship and I'm grateful for you. And I've learned a lot about you that I didn't know before. And just make a statement that you are an awesome person. You really, truly are. And I'm very lucky to have a partner like you. Oh, and I feel the very same way. <laughs> we have a lot of similarities and we also have differences and Within our differences, we learn so much about each other and about ourselves and how we can change and grow. And I love how we both appreciate 
the strengths that we have and we actually see them. Days when we disagree, we, we get snappy <laughs> at each other. We both know that there's a lot of truth in what we're each saying and that we have to have a conversation about it. And I always find that there's a lot of wisdom that I gain from those, those conversations specifically about how our views are different. And even though we don't always see eye to eye, I understand your perspective. And I always feel that I gain a lot in, in kind of stepping into your shoes. The thing is about friendships, and you'll hear that he shared this, is that how to define a friend is by knowing that you can actually share anything with them and they'll be able to hear you and that you can really trust each other. I realized then and there that I have a friend in you because I feel comfortable to be able to share something and they all hear. And I hope that you feel the same way that you can share with me. And I think you do. I do. Listen, good friends are hard to come by and it takes two to tango. Trust and being able to share are big things. And so I know that we're both grateful for our dear friends. We, I think we found a friend in Dennis Prager. Like we're invited back to go meet his family. And... I can't wait to meet his wife. I heard such great things about her and I hope to meet her one day and, um, yeah, it, and his family. Yeah, because it really felt like friends talking. And I hope you pick up on that and gain as much as we did. And also he mentioned something about having a, a co-host who's a lot younger than him. Yeah, And it made me think of how friends don't have to be the same age. You know, we usually think when we're, when we're seeking out friends, we usually seek out friends in our peer group, right? In our age group, friends who are maybe other, if you're, we're moms, other moms in our, who are, share the same demographic, but that doesn't have to be the case. A, a friend can be any age at any stage in life. It's who you connect to and who you trust. That's exactly. most important. And also you never know when a friend's going to come your way. You may feel like you're lonely and you have no one in your life right now. And then all of a sudden Hashem presents you with somebody you just got to be open. You'll hear he said, so you have got to seek them out. Yeah, but You have to be open to it. And you never know in your life when it could be in your 40s, it could be in your 50s and your 60s. Um, you never know yeah. when that time's going to be. And then it's just going to feel like you were friends forever. Yeah, you have to make the effort. That's yeah. for sure. There are a few people living today who've had as much influence as Dennis Prager. He literally has broadcast a national radio show for, I think, 40 years now, if not more. He's written several best-selling books. He's lectured on all six continents and his website, Prager, his Prager University I, has reached, I think over five, yeah, over 5 billion views, which is incredible. Mind-boggling. Wow. That is mind-boggling. And he's also written many books. His books include Think a Second Time, 44 Essays on 44 Subjects, Happiness is a Serious Problem, and many more. And he's got, you'll hear within the episode, he's got another book that's coming out. It's like a series, a best-selling commentary on, on the Torah. I, I think they're really cool. Um, very yes. interesting. Yeah. And and what's really cool about him is, is he is a Bible scholar with a profound knowledge of the Hebrew language and grammar. Um, yes. And then Rational Bible is the best-selling Bible commentary in America today. I love how he shares his values and his Judaism on his radio show. He's a proud Jew. Yeah. And that's something we don't find often enough today something that we need more of. So that takes courage. And I learned a lot about courage and how important it is as a value. If you ever want to go back to our episode on Joseph Telushkin, you will hear about Dennis Prager within that episode and what great friends they are. And that's what led us to, to interview Dennis Prager. And yeah, that's going to lead us to more good things, please God. Yep. We've got some exciting guests coming. So stay tuned and uh, stay subscribed 
we love hearing from you. So we do offer sponsorships for our episodes. So feel free to reach out to us if you'd like to sponsor an episode. Rivka and Ida at gmail.com. R-I-V-K-A-H and E-D-A at gmail.com. So we are very honored to bring you this one. And we want to send a huge shout out and thank you to the Dennis Prager team for hosting us at his studio and generously opening their doors to us and letting us record. And we're deeply grateful for that. Thank you for this opportunity. It's such a pleasure. Well, I am really honored that you two flew out from the East Coast to the West Coast just to interview me. Yeah. I really am. I, I just have to tell you, this is not a line. I'm very touched. So I'll try to do well. We have no doubt you will. And, and we were excited at, and honored at uh -huh. the opportunity to be here well, with you. Well, thank you. Well, it's been a long time working it through. So thank you. Welcome to the West Coast. It's great to be here. We have such admiration and respect for you and what you've accomplished. Thank you. Uh, you really are a remarkable human being. And there's so much to learn from you. And I think people might put you into this category of, well, there's no way I can ever even tap into what he's doing in the world. And I feel that we all have untapped potential and that we should be able to learn from each other and that hopefully we can learn from you and try to become better well, thank you. people. I will tell you, uh, I'm a living example of Mikol Melandahis Kalti that I have learned from so many others because... I figured out, you ready? It's going to blow your mind. We're ready. Okay. <laughs> I am convinced that I have spoken with, not to, with more people than any living person. 40 years as a talk show host, talking with people every day. That's a lot of people. And I regard my talk show, which is a national show, and it's three hours a day, uh, Monday to Friday, I regard that as my living human laboratory. I have learned from callers so much. Should I give you one example? Please. So I've, I've done an hour on happiness every week for 24 years and I've written a book on happiness. Happiness is a serious problem. Well, I'm very touched that you, uh, that you know the title. Know the title and love the book. Yeah. I, it's an important book. If I'm allowed to say that. Because hap anyway, happiness is a very, very important subject. One of the reasons I love Chabad, by the way. It's a very big factor in my attitude toward Chabad. So a woman calls me. So I, I did I did the subject of what if you have a miserable child, which a lot of fine people do. And a woman calls me. I only remember that she had a southern accent. And she said, Dennis, uh, my 33-year-old daughter is just a miserable human being. And I'd like to tell you what I finally decided, what I concluded, and this is my attitude. I didn't break her. I can't fix her. And I thought that that was such wisdom, so much so that I have cited it in speeches around the world. It, it is brilliant. That's what parents should understand. By the way, it, you, A, you can't fix them, and the odds are overwhelming you didn't break them. Don't you think we're responsible for some of what? Some of. Yeah, well, you added the word some. My own attitude is that like so much of life, and you may not like this thinking it's not a religious concept, but I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with it religiously. A lot of life is luck, and a lot of life is what we do. 
You, you get hit by a drunk driver, you didn't do it. That was bad luck. Now, you could say Hashem wanted it. Okay, that's not my view, uh, but I, I have no argument with that. I, it's not arguable against. But I do believe that there, there is luck in life. And, and in other words, things that you are not good luck as well as bad luck. I have, a, I have an immense amount of good luck. Huh. I have incredible health. I mean, I, I work on it, but so what? You know, we were just talking about a fantastic man who, who we, we all know, uh, the three of us, who, who has Lou Gehrig's disease. I don't have it. I'm lucky. About children, I got a great story. Uh, tell me if I'm talking too long. You're not talking too long, but I do want to say that when I say good muzzle, I look at it that the muzzle is God. Okay, so then, all right. Let's get into that because it's it's a very important subject. I, I, but I, don't I do want to hear the story of it. So, yeah. Uh, what, yeah. So I was going to tell you a story. What was it about again? Your your muzzle thing and God uh, sidetracked my a, brain a, about children. Oh yes. So whenever my parents would attend one of my speeches, and they lived in Brooklyn, then New Jersey, and I lived in, in L.A. At a, at a very early age. But whenever they would attend a speech of mine, let's say on the East Coast, or even even if they visit on the West, uh, I would announce to the audience that they were there. I, I, I like to give them that joy. They loved it. The people all applauded and, and fine. So at one speech, after my speech, I was within earshot of my father, but he did not know that. He did not know where I was. There were a lot of people milling around about around me and around him. So I overheard some man say to him, oh, Mr. Prager, just want, you, you must have been some great father to produce a son like Dennis. And my father, totally straight-faced, looked at the guy and goes, actually, I'm very lucky. And I thought that that was a humble and beautiful answer. And I feel that about my two sons. I'm very lucky. Of course I contributed. But, but you know how many wonderful parents have, have miserable kids? So now to your thing, you, you say Hashem instead of Mazel. I, when I say muzzle, I, I'm referring right. to Hashem. Yeah. So, so what's your drunk driver theory that God willed the drunk drunk driver to hit the person? Well, I think the drunk driver has a choice if he wants to be drunk or not. Okay, so that so that <laughs> takes it out of God's hands. Well, I think that I think that God intended for that to happen. Wh- who the who the actual emissary is to to make that happen is the person's choice. Right. Now, by the way, I just just so you'll know, my my father, who served in World War II, two and a half years uh, on a, on a ship in the Pacific, and very dangerous work. He was a, it was a transport, and that's what the kamikaze uh, pilots tried to sink those ships that my father was on. But he had a total belief that the day of your death is ordained by God. You could be on a ship in the Pacific fighting the Japanese, or you could be in your bathtub. You'll die. So he was very calm during the, for the in the war. So I, I I appreciate people who believe that, but that that's only the day of death. You believe? Do you believe everything that happens? Then where is our input? What happens? What God ordains is what's going to happen, but we have a choice, first of all, in how we're going to react to the situation, and we also have a choice if we're going to be that person to make someone else's story happen or not happen. You know what I mean? But our own story, we have a choice in how we're going to re- react to what God has given us. Yeah, that, that we, okay. So your reaction is in your hands. Yeah. So we do have free will. 
Yes. Okay. I think that's the free will in how we react to what we're uh, given. Okay, I hear you. All right, I was just curious. I, I don't. How do you uh, feel about that? What, what do you think? No, about no, that? I, I, I think that God, God has made the world. God knows every one of us. I believe that there is reward and punishment uh, that God ordains. I'm big. In fact, Olam Haba hereafter is the basis of my my sanity because there's so much su- unjust suffering on earth. There has to be a hereafter if God is good. It's a big, big thing that I write about and talk about a lot. However, uh, you know, like with the Holocaust, God allowed Hitler and the Germans to do what they did. I think God spends a lot of time crying. It says in the Torah, God was sad to his heart when he saw how bad people were to each other, and then he brought the flood. Right. I, I do believe God gets sad. I used to take that pasuk, that verse, as... Uh, you know, the, the Torah, um, the Torah speaks in the language of human beings. Uh, but so that it was a metaphor. But I'm not sure it's a metaphor now. I think God gets sad. I heard one rabbi ask once, it was very powerful to, to a group I, w- I was, I, had in, I was the introducer of this rabbi. And of course, I sat for the speech. So he looked at the group and he said, so who's the most tragic figure in the Bible? And people threw out all different names. And he goes, okay, here's my nominee, God. <laughs> uh, it was a very powerful statement. Who do you think is the most tragic oh, I, figure? I, I, I think that that's correct. God says every day, except the second, Vayar Hashem Kito, right? That he, he did, he, that he did good that day. And then on the day he creates humans, told Ma'od, and then we screw it up. So whether we believe in, you know, that it's luck or that it's divinely, you know, um, or it's, or that it's God, there's still a question of what do we do, like, as human, with our limited capacity. So as parents, you mentioned your father said, I'm lucky. He must have done something to have a son who has, you know, grown up to become a mensch and, you know, check all the boxes. So what's, I guess, what's our avoda as parents? What or, uh, well, there are, two, there are two separate questions, at least in my brain. So I learned a lot in my parents' home. There is no question, especially seriousness about Judaism and seriousness about ethics. And I give them great credit. But the, the truth is, they didn't know where I came from, and I don't know where I came from. When I was in high school, I did no homework for four years. You know what I did? I corresponded with radio stations around the world, listening on shortwave radio. I went to Manhattan from Brooklyn every day, except Shabbos and Sunday, uh, uh, to uh, go to concerts. I went to the New York Philharmonic Library to read symphonic scores, and I learned, I taught myself how to conduct. I conducted a Haydn symphony at the Disney Concert Hall three years ago. I've been conducting all of my life, and I started to teach myself Russian. Why Russian? Because it was the Cold War enemy, and I wanted to understand them. I'm fascinated by by bad people. I'm more fascinated by good people, but that's another subject. It's good to be fascinated by good people. It's good to be fascinated, period. People are bored out of their minds. It's a big problem in our society. But they knew at the time. What, What kind of kid... Teaches himself symphonic scores in high school. Did they know that you were not studying or doing or doing homework? Well, yes. In fact, 
uh, it came to a crisis when I was 14. It was, it was a very, it was a sad scene the c- couple of years leading up to that age. And finally, my older brother, who was a nachas machine for my parents, went to Columbia he, at the Yeshiva High School. He was the captain of the basketball team, president of the school body, uh, valedictorian. And then he went to Columbia. Then he went to Harvard Medical School. He, he talked about checking boxes. So he said to them, there is only one thing you can do for Dennis. Leave him alone. And to their credit, from that day on, they never asked me if I had homework. They even said I could sign my report card with their name. Wow. They, and, and I thrived. Being left alone, I thrived. Interesting, because we had that question for you. What's the balance, you know, with letting kids be and with discipline? Chanoch noad al pidarko. Every kid has to be educated in his own way. There are kids, if you leave them alone, they'll end up in the street. There, there are kids, if you bug them, they'll go out of their minds. I was in the latter category. It, 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 it's a, look, it's a very hard job to be a parent. The hardest job. It is the hardest job. That is why so many people don't want to do it in, in this generation. They don't want to do anything hard. They don't want to get married. That's hard, too. If it's hard, I don't want to do it. They're lost. I mean, I, don't start me. On this generation, my heart breaks for them. They don't even know if they're a boy or a girl. Are you aware of how bad it is? Because you live, you know, in a very uh, healthier world, living in the Chabad world. But we were aware, and the Chabad world is out there. We're out there in the world, and we see what's. Well, happening. you're the you're the Orthodox Jews who are out there, right? Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts on you. You'll you'll ask when you're ready. We're ready. We're ready. <laughs> okay, so I'm in love with Chabad. That's good to know. I can give you a lot of reasons, and it's um, it's very interesting. I speak for Chabad around the world. If I, I was just, I gave a speech a few months ago in Denmark. And so I, I called the Copenhagen uh, Chabad rabbi. And they all know me. I'm very touched. And, and uh, I, I said, hi, this is Dennis Prager. Oh, you in Copenhagen? Yeah. Can you speak? And so that's what I do. I saw Friday night, I go to their meal and I give a talk. And uh, I love it and they love it. And uh, why do I love Chabad? So I love Chabad. First of all, my biggest problem, I grew up Orthodox. And I'm Orthodox to this day with a small O. I'm not as halachic as I was, but I, my hashkafa, my outlook is Orthodox. God gave the Torah. That's my whole basis in life. God is the author of the Torah. Everything else is secondary to me. The thing that troubled me most in my Frum upbringing was the insularity of the Frum community. It drove me crazy. I, I tell people I was so I was so anxious to meet a non-Jew or a non-Orthodox Jew that I interviewed the mailman whenever I saw him come to the house. Oh, wow. He was the only non-Jew <laughs> in my life. Because like you know, Brooklyn from it's it, I mean it's not right wing from but it is is more more modern Orthodox but I went to a Stiebel, so that was which where did you grow up where was this uh, flat, well really uh, Marine Park Flatbush it, it, it's not exactly Flatbush it's it, it's uh, it was Kings Highway and Ostrand Avenue where the Kingsway Jewish Center is to this day my father was the president of the shul so uh, it drove me nuts. 
And it does to this day, because what did God choose us for? We're a tiny, tiny people. So did he choose us to stay insular, or to, did he choose us to touch the world? And and you know who touches the world? Jews who were alienated from Judaism. Karl Marx, I know he, I know he was baptized and so on, the grandson of two Orthodox rabbis, right. and Leon Trotsky, and George Soros. You, so Chabad is the Orthodox community that wants to go into the world. I mean, that there, I visited Chabad of Cambodia. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. A guy should leave his from world and be in Cambodia. That's a, an astonishing thing. And I was at Chabad of Japan and I've been Chabad. I, tr- I make it, try to make, cause I, I've been to 130 countries wow. and I try to visit Chabad whenever I can. So, uh, you, you're not insular. You're comfortable with non-Orthodox Jews. You're comfortable with non-Jews. That was not the case for much of Orthodox history. Right. Have you met the Lubavitcher Rebbe? So this is a deep regret in my life. I was invited to meet the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Rabbi Kunin, who is still, thank God, with us, and we know each other 40 years. So he said, you know... uh, I could set up a meeting with you and the Rebbe. So you have to know two things. One, I did not know of Chabad growing up. It, the Orthodox world was very, certainly then, was very segmented. Right. You knew your community. He knew his community. When was what, yeah, year? what year were you talking about? When I grew up? Oh, so, or so when, when Rabbi Kunin wanted oh, to. Oh, so Rabbi Kunin would have said this in the 70s. Okay. Uh, yes, when I was in my 20s. So, so he, uh, and he said, and I thought, and it was stupid. I, 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 it's a deep regret. What can I say? But the, I too have made stupid decisions. And I thought, you know, for a Chabad Chassid to meet the Rebbe is the greatest possible thing they could have in their life. I'm not Chabad. My meeting with the Rebbe will take away time from a Chabad Chassid meeting with the Rebbe. Wow. That's the way you looked at it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, there's a nobility to it, but it's also stupid. <laughs> you can be noble and stupid at the same right. time. Yeah, it's, 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 okay. So it. Uh, but you know what, the Rebbe would be very proud in in how you're talking right now. So I'm saying. No, well, thank you. That's very sweet. The but fact I, that you I really did think that. I thought. First of all, it didn't mean to me the it, Chabad didn't mean to me then what it came to mean to me later right. in my life. Certainly, had it been asked of me 20 years later, I'd have have gotten on a plane that day. But what I do want to tell you is that, for example, my children and Edith's children never got to meet the Rebbe, but they still feel a strong connection to him. So you don't have to have met the Rebbe. Oh, that's clear. Of course. Well, I feel much stronger today than I did then in any event. Yes. So, and you, if you go to the Ohel, you you can ask for a blessing. Yes, I'm I'm well aware. So, you know, and... And in a way, you have met the Rebbe, but not in the oh, way right. that you could no, have right. back then. Correct, correct. There was like, one... You can't ask me if I met the Rebbe and I go, yes, I've been yes, to the Yes, I know. Uh, that's <laughs> but I'm just, saying, I'm just saying for your regret is that yeah, you can yes, still have is, that it, connection. It, it, like I did what I did. I, but it, it, you asked the question. That's, yes. That's my story. I'm sure you have other regrets too throughout your lifetime. What do you do with regret? So when, when I make a mistake... 
I have a very good way, good because I know that it's it's helped me phenomenally. This is my attitude towards a mistake. Don't make it again. That's really, uh, that is, and it gives me great comfort. I won't do this again. And, and that, that, that has been a tremendous source of, of strength and comfort to me. Mistakes are inevitable. You're a human, you'll make mistakes. Now, if you make big mistakes that have catastrophic results, it's, it, it, you know, it, 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 you, know, you uh, went to text and, and you hit the, a bicyclist and they're dead. That's you know, a bad it's, one. Uh, yeah, you can't say, well, I won't do that again. I mean, you can say it, but it's not going to be a big help. You killed somebody. Uh, but I thank God I haven't made mistakes on, on that Madriga. <laughs> on, on, on that level of, of mistake. But it does exist. Of course it yeah. exists, yes. But I, I look, uh, so he, here's an example. But I, 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 I didn't think of mistakes in this regard, interestingly. So I'm very open about my life. I had a debate in my mind when I started radio 40 years ago. How open will I be about myself? Because it's not easy. You want to protect yourself, your privacy, etc. And what about the other other people also? Part of your story, part of you sharing about you, you'd be sharing about somebody else too. Well, that's right. And yeah. and and so I I I opted to be open and let the chips fall where they may. So so this is an example. I have two sons. My second son, uh, his, his mother and I, she has passed away. Uh, his mother and I uh, adopted uh, the day he was born in the state of Washington. And this is, I'll be interested to get your reaction, actually. Uh, I have a view of blood which may not accord with yours. I don't care about blood. I care about values. I th- and I am convinced the Torah agrees with me. Uh, the, the, I mean, I'm just trying to understand what that. Oh, means. I'll tell you, the blood connection of people, blood relatives, that doesn't mean anything to me. So it was one of the reasons it was so easy for me to adopt the child. I have no blood relationship to my second son. I do to my first son. It makes no difference to me. People ask me which one of your kids is adopted. My standard answer is I forget. It doesn't matter. By the way, I have a very interesting proof. So I used to do one hour a year. I can't believe I stopped doing this. I have to resume it. Out of nowhere, because I don't only talk about the news. I talk about everything in life. So it, it is my blood doesn't matter, values do. Values and love matter, not blood. Hour. I get a call. This is what I mean, the living laboratory of my radio show. So a call is, hi, Dennis. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a Jew in, I don't remember what city. And uh, I agree with you on everything, but not this. And let me tell you why. My parents are Holocaust survivors. But mind you, by the way, 98% of my listeners are not Jewish because that 98% of the country isn't Jewish. Just, but, but, <laughs> but Jews listen, too. So he he uh, says, my parents are Holocaust survivors. I am their only child. So I am their only blood relative. Do you understand how for some people blood could be important? So I said, I'll tell you what. I'd like you to ask your parents this question. Yeah, right, right after we speak, I'd like you to call them up or the next time you see them. And say, mom and dad, I have a question. 
Would you prefer a blood child who left Judaism or an adopted child who kept Judaism? And then the, the greatest moments in talk radio, it's quiet. I love, it's so dramatic when there's <laughs> silence on the line because it means I got to the person. And he goes, oh, you're right. Right. Values are more important than blood. So I have a question um, about family. And, you know, we tend to be more forgiving of people we're blood related to or our very close family members. Um, and we, you know, let things slide perhaps more easily than we would with others. And maybe even sometimes, you know, with husband and wife, although that's not a blood relation, but... By the way, it's a good example. The ultimate relationship isn't blood. Right. Husband and wife. Right. Right. So people will, I feel, often overlook things with their family members that they wouldn't with someone they're very close to. Well, because you can divorce a friend, you can't divorce a sibling. I mean, theoretically it happens, but... Well, you can pick your friends, you can't pick Well, that's the whole point. Look, I always tell, look, if you have to spend six months alone on an island, would you pick a relative or a friend? And it's a rhetorical question. The vast majority of people would pick a friend. Right. And it's not a knock on your relatives. My relatives would pick a friend too. (laughs) 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 I'm not hurt hurt by that. Right. Yeah. But yes, but there's a level of, of decency you should show to to a family member for the sake of the family. It's you know, Shalom Bayit is not just husband and wife. It's peace in the house, the house being the large family. But if you have a sibling who who is uh to use a cliched term toxic, I don't I, I I'm not sure you have an obligation to go out of your way to, to and drive yourself crazy. Uh they have they have chosen that way of life, or, or I don't mean that way of life. They have chosen that behavior, right? And and and, and the, again, there's nothing you can do about it. There is a great, great uh, prayer called the Serenity Prayer. It's it was it was done by by a Christian uh, clergyman. It's brilliant, and. It is I, it is a one of one of the mottos of AA Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh yeah, which I was going to tell you about my second son. I got distracted. Uh, I I personally have never uh, had the, the problem of addiction, but uh, I've learned from my callers there's more wisdom in AA than at Harvard. I mean that literally. I I, I literally I don't I don't mean that as a cute line. Because I would say to these people, where did you come up with that? Oh, AA, the big book, AA, 12-step program. So it goes something like this. I, I, have, a, I have a great memory for concepts and a lousy memory for lines. Uh, give me the serenity to accept what I, can, what I cannot change. And the wisdom to know. The, the wisdom to know the difference. And then, But there's a third element. Yeah, I think it's the courage. To change the things I can. I yeah, think. that's right. To change the things I can. Thank right, you. That's right. right. And, and and the, the wisdom, wisdom to, to know, know the, the difference. difference. If you have a relative, you need the wisdom to know, I, I can't change and there's nothing I can do. I'm not going to drive myself crazy just because it's a brother or sister. By the way, I don't think people, uh, to be really dramatic, I don't think people, and I I have helped immense numbers of people with this attitude. They never heard it. 
People all say you're no, you're no happier than your least happy child. That is a common statement. I hate that statement. Well, you cannot let your, your happiness be held hostage by your child. End of issue. You have to adopt that woman's attitude. I didn't Mm -hmm. break her or didn't break him. I can't fix him. So my younger son, we adopted him the day he was born. And we did not know until years later that his his birth mother was a meth addict and an alcoholic and drug addict, addict to every, every substance you could take. She'd been in, we found out later, she'd been in prison like six times or jail. And, uh, it had it it affects a baby born to to a a a, a meth mother so it it acted itself out in it, it, it around the age of 12 and he became addicted and did so for almost 10 years i would say 10 years and it was a very painful 10 years uh, having having said that that it was a painful 10 years uh, I did not allow my my happiness to be held hostage by my child. I, I, have, I have lived what I preach in this regard. It was a pain. I, 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 I lived it. I knew that I was pretty much helpless to do anything about it. And sure enough, one day at about the age of 22, he calls me up. You must get me to some rehab place. I can't take this anymore. He had tried rehab before it didn't work, which is true for the vast majority. It doesn't work the first time. By the way, it was through Chabad that that his life was saved. Really? Yes. And and, and, I, and I'm happy to say how how uh, the the wonderful Chabad rehab center here. Uh, I called I called them up. Do you know of a great place? They said, yeah, we know of one in Pennsylvania, and we have a great Chabad Shliach there, Rabbi Yosef Lipsker, who actually works with this, a non-Jewish place, but he, he does a lot with the Jewish kids who were there, and, and kids in general, but especially the Jewish kids. And uh, he, he could probably get your son in. He did get my son in. He is now sober for six years, married. Wow. I could cry. I, it, it, he's he's wonderful. He 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 just we just called last week and 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 from the depths of horror and everything, I was oh you know, um, Felicia and I uh, now make Shabbat dinner together every week. That's so special. Uh, uh, there are no words. Um, so this Rabbi Lipsker, I I uh, I, I love him deeply. And I'm in touch with him regularly in in Reading, Pennsylvania. So I I have lived through difficult times. My life has not been a bowl of cherries. But I I am a happy human being. I chose to be happy. Well, that's what I was talking about with free will. Like you you used what happened to you. Oh, that's right. That is correct. um, And chose to be happy through it. Yes, that's right. Is that what led you to write the book "Happiness Is a Serious Problem"? Um, actually, well, this I this I did never say. <laughs> it was his mother, the one who's passed away. We were married seventeen years, and 
she had, uh, she was molested by a relative when she was a child. I did not know that. And uh, as it happens, the after effects occurred in our marriage. Not earlier, oddly enough. Maybe it's normal that that works that way. So she was not a happy person, but she was less happy as time went on. Ironically, as life was good, she got unhappier and unhappier. And it was, it was a real deterioration. And, uh, I, I, I titled the book Happiness is a Serious Problem because it was. I, 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 I was confronted with this. But I, I, I know that it is a, a task every good person should undertake to be happy. Back to Chabad, uh, your, the, the happiness that Chabad Shluchim radiate is half the reason for their success. Half. And the power of happiness, as I say often, the best advertisement for atheism is an unhappy religious person. Here's my, here's my, uh, my, my call to, uh, to religious people, whatever their religion. Either, either get happy, or at least act happy, or leave the religion. You're doing a disservice to it. Well, if do it, Hashem b'simcha. Exactly, that's right. Also, that's an amazing weather. statement. You yeah. have to worship God in happiness. That's amazing. How about this? I mean, I, 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 I. Again, most of my speaking and is to non-Jews, and but I always cite Judaism as the source of my of my views and, and values and I say in Judaism you 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 we say you sit Shiva you sit seven seven days you mourn the death of an immediate relative but not on the Sabbath I tell them what a statement you lose let's say the worst of all your child and you can't mourn on, on Friday night to Saturday night, isn't that some statement about the power we have over ourselves? That that's that's a, an amazing lesson of our religion to the world. That's true. There's actually a commandment this month, month of Adar, to be happy. Ma'bim b'simcha. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yes. Right. So we have to. We don't. Right. Have to I have, it's a problem for me because I'm ma'bim b'simcha in Tammuz as well. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a real issue. So we've got to figure out how to do that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to do. Well, so what, what's <laughs> getting in that. the way? What's our, within Judaism? What brings you the most joy? Oh, Shabbat. Uh, there, there's no close second. It, 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 it's it's Shabbat, and then there's the rest of Judaism. <laughs> oh, but I, I'm so. Cr- I'm so crazed about Shabbat. I have always brought non-Jews to my Shabbat table. But but I'm, I'm emphasizing bringing non-Jews to Shabbat table, which, by the way, of course you do. Chabad does it all the time. Right. A lot of the people at the table are not Jewish. Uh, and uh, But every Jew should do that. Every Jew who has a Shabbat should have non-Jews at their table. It, it's good for Jews. It's good for non-Jews. It's good for Hashem. It's good for everything. Anyway... One so one day he's about eight years old. My older son comes over to me. He goes, "Dad, are we having any Jews for Shabbos?" <laughs> That's, really That's great. so cute. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. Do you also do you have friends at your Shabbat table? Family, friends? 
Oh yeah, no, it's a, it, it, there are about a dozen of us every Friday. We we did not obey the lockdowns. I am proud to say because they were entirely harmful. Entirely. Yeah, I've heard your views on, on lockdown. I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on, on lockdown. Oh, I believe that you are. <laughs> it's the uh, one of my arguments for religion is that religious Christians and Jews, and I know, and I'm in the rare rare category of knowing them both equally well. Uh, are the are almost the only well certainly the only communities that that from the beginning thought there's something wrong with this. There is far more rational thought in religious life than in secular life. So only secular people say men have men have babies, men give birth. No religious person says men give birth. The amount of idiocy that secular people believe is is you can choke on. Secular people are my argument for religion. Nice. Yes, I have been more affected to be religious by the secular than by the religious. So you've been more affected by what you've seen you don't like. That's right. That is correct. Than by what you've seen. What, than by well, there is a great liked. line by, it's credited to the British thinker G.K. Chesterton. We don't know if he actually said it, but I didn't say it. And I'm a big believer. If, if you cite a source, you bring redemption to the world. I, I'm very strict on that. This is not my line. And it's brilliant. Uh, when people stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing. They believe in anything. We are living that. Men give birth is anything. Right. Right. Someone just told me they were in hospital and they were asked... And oh yeah, what their gender and asked, is. No one asked if he, if they're pregnant. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> that, that, that's right. Yeah. Now it's it, there are no longer any women. It's birthing parent. Right. It's, well, it's not. It's not yeah. even a breastfeeding. Yeah. It's chest feeding. I think we should be proud of who we are. One would think that. Yeah. Well, that's what we want to bring out in today. That we should all be proud of who we are. Can you share with us? You're, you're a very proud Jew, and you've just shared some of that here right now. What would you say to somebody who doesn't take pride in his Judaism? Well. Or in who they are. So, yes. Or, or in what? Or in who they are. Yes. I okay. Think that well, those are two, two yeah. different questions. Okay. So, uh, again, I, I have to be fully candid with you. By way of answering your question, let me tell you the, my opening line at any Chabad that I speak. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi so-and-so for having me. It's an honor. I love Chabad. And I, you know, go into my pro-Chabad few moments. I say, however, however, there is one big difference between your rabbi and me. Your rabbi loves all Jews. I don't. The, the precious part to me is I watch the rabbi after I say that, who's trying to stifle his laughter because it's a great lie. I don't love all Jews. I, I don't love George Soros. I, I don't love uh, uh, the Jews who are, who are wrecking society with their left-wing nihilism. And I don't mean liberals. Liberals are fine. It's not an issue. I'm talking about the people who teach children uh, uh, that there are, there is no gender. It's non-binary. It's not men and women. God didn't create men and women. God created human beings. They're doing a lot of damage. Okay, so I, uh, Jews have done a lot of damage and a lot of good. 
So I don't think of myself as taking pride. Uh, I, I, what I do, what it is, is Judaism is my value system. Judaism is a, is the biggest source of my sanity. There is a God and this God gave a Torah. And I have a great line about that. Uh, I don't believe in the Torah because I believe in God. I believe in God because I believe in the Torah. The Torah, literally the five books specifically, are my vehicle to God. I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a big tefillah man. I admit it. I don't pray well, but I study really well. Because the Torah has, is the word of God, in my opinion. That's why I'm writing my commentary on the Torah. I hope everyone who is watching reads it. Uh, when I, is that I, coming out? Oh, well, three so volumes are out. Bereshit, yeah, Shemot, and, have... and, 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 and Devarim. Right. And what's coming uh, Genesis, out now? Genesis, Exodus, and right. Deuteronomy. I'm, I'm, I'm halfway finished with numbers, with Bamidbar. And then the ultimate challenge, Vayikra, Leviticus. They're the best-selling uh, 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 Torah commentary in America. Because the, it explains... People, there are 5,000 reviews on Amazon. It is so relevant to the time in which we live. It is so powerful. You know, the Tower of Babel story. Some people think it's a sweet story and so on. It's genius. It's genius. Why did they build the tower? Because they wanted to make a name for themselves. It's the Torah's statement, Ace, humans, you stupid. You think fame is going to give you anything? I'm famous. So I, I could speak from that. I, I, I'm fine with it, but it doesn't define me. I didn't aim to be famous. I aimed to do good. Uh, there were so many young Americans whose life is devoted to becoming famous. And then what happens then? You know how long fame lasts for most people? A few years. It's like an NFL career. Then it's over. And then what do you do? And by the way, it's genius that... They all spoke one language, and then God's quote-unquote punishment was that they will all speak different languages. The Torah understands that if everybody is unified in this world, it may not be healthy. Maybe it's a good thing that there are different languages and different nations. That's why I'm very scared about one international body controlling the world. I get it from the Torah. It's a very good thing to have different nations. That's why America would, gave yeah. states a lot of power. Because if the federal government has power, it could become a tyranny. Power is a very dangerous thing. Anyway, I'm, I'm in love with the Torah. Don't, don't stop. <laughs> I am. I'm in love with it. I truly am. Dang. It's called the Rational Bible. Well, we Thank look you. forward to the new edition. Yes. Well, that, so that'll be a year from now, God willing, of Amidbar. And is Joseph Telushkin editing? Yes, absolutely. That? We've been together since high school. Yeah, and, and that's and, he led us to you. We interviewed Joseph. Oh, that's right. Yes. And well, he, we're very close. It's yes. a very beautiful. You know, they used to say so often, Joseph and Dennis, they're close like brothers. And I always thought, how many brothers are this close? <laughs> what kind of line is that? <laughs> That's great. But yes, and Joseph speaks very fondly of you. Like you can tell you, you have a very deep yes, and special relationship. That is absolutely right. Well, it, the, the, a big blessing in my life has been friends. I'm a big, big friends fan. 
I am very lucky in the people I have in my life. It's the best part of my being well-known that, therefore, I, so many people who know me, so good people contact me, and then I bring them into my life. One of God's biggest gifts to me is I have tremendous ability to identify wonderful people, and I've never been disappointed. Never. That's a great record. So you have good intuition. In, in that regard, yes, absolutely. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to build lasting friendships? So the, it, 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 first of all, I have said on my happiness hour for 25 years, you should date for friends the way you dated for a spouse. In other words, pursue friendship just like you pursued marriage. Take it just as seriously. And that even if you're the most happily married person in the world, you need friends. The woman needs women friends, the man needs man friends, and the couple needs couples friends. It, it is not good to go through life without that. And my definition of a friend is someone who, to whom you can say anything. Because if you're afraid to say something, it means you don't trust them. That's true for your spouse, too. If you're hiding things, it means you don't trust them. They find out, they'll hurt me. That's a really good definition. Oh, it is. It, yes. Uh, it, it's a thank you. And it is, I'm glad you picked up on it. It's, that's exactly what it is. So I have that and, and people should, should all yearn for that. How do you get it? You, first of all, you have to, you have to seek it. And, and next you have to, uh, you have to be open with your values. You can't hide who you are. In America today, conservatives, for example, they're afraid to, to, to say that they're conservative. Religious people are often afraid to say they're religious. And that's a tragedy. That's a first in American history. I, I so often in my brain, but not on the radio, lapse into some, you know, yeshiva-ish kind of thing. This is my shita. This, this is my approach. Okay. I am uh, compassionate in the micro and for standards in the macro. I don't give up my standards for the individual, and I don't let my standards stop me from loving the individual. That's very. That's that's how we should all should be. That's yes. God bless you. That's that's exactly how we should all be. That's exactly right. And how do you attain that? You just do it. You you attain anything. It's like people say. I speak so often about courage. They go, how do you how do you, how do you gain courage? I say, all you do is wake up one day and say, I want to be courageous. Then you'll be courage. Then you'll be courageous. Even Judaism is the source of my whole attitude toward life. I'm a behaviorist. Act X, you'll feel X. This story I'm about to tell you is maybe my favorite, and I have great stories. And it was... I, it changed my life in fourth grade in yeshiva, and I tell it to non-Jews all the time. Obviously, I don't use the Hebrew that he used or the or the the Yiddish. So, fourth grade, the Rebbe goes, "Okay, boys, it's time to daven mincha," and I always translate, "Time for the afternoon prayer." And I, with the nature that I was given. I walked over to the rabbi completely respectfully, and I said, uh, Rebbe, I want to tell you, I'm not in the mood to daven mincha. I'm not in the mood for the afternoon prayer. 
the, the man understood English. He was from Eastern Europe, but he understood English. He strikes, strokes, strikes, strokes his beard, looks up like this, you know, the yeshiva wish way of a Rebbe. <laughs> Dennis Prager is not in the mood to daven mincha. <laughs> so what? The man changed my life. He said to me, your moods should not control your behavior. So what? And that has been a, a view. If that man knew what, how many people, he has affected millions of people because he said, so what to be in fourth grade. That's what, so what? By the way, I have it on the internet because I write a column every week. I have literally 1,000 columns on the internet. And uh, one of them from at least 10 years ago is if a wife is not in the mood. And I, I, it was totally taken from the Rebbe in fourth grade. You're not in the mood? So what? <laughs> now, you know, people attacked me and all this, and, and I, I don't care. I, it's really attacks That's, on It's me. a Chabad philosophy, too. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> to no, just, yes. To just do. That's right. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, yes. Obviously, there are exceptions. Le- you're sick. You're, you're, you're in a bad mood. I mean, I, we understand that. But in general, it, it's what, more, what mind, more mind over matter. Yes, it's mind over matter. Yes, it's. Uh, it, I love that you said. By the way, it's also from Christians' attitude. The from Christian and the from Jew have so much in common, and and it's important because you're the salvation of this country. If there will be one, the from of the two religions. My my annoyance is that the rest of orthodoxy or orthodoxy in general, does not speak out enough. That's true. The the world is not hearing the religious Jewish voice. The Aguda does does some work in this regard. The the society is being crushed by radical secularism, and and the the from community just, you know, goes on with its, its own internal issues. And then when, when the world starts hurting Jews, they go, gee, how did this happen? This is my argument to Jews. If we don't influence the world from Sinai, from Sinai, then don't yell when the world gets bad. God gave us a, a, an antidote to evil, the Torah. If you don't bring that antidote to the world, don't expect not to be infected by the poison. One of the unique things about Chabad is that the Rebbe encouraged young people to go out into the world and become leaders and influence others. Um, at the same time, the Rebbe also didn't believe in, in going to college. I mean, not for everyone, but for the most part, he was not very encouraging of, of you know, getting a college education. How do you view, what's your view on college? How do you feel he about college? He was a novi, he was a prophet. I heard it when I taught at Brooklyn College, when I was still living in New York. I was a teacher at Brooklyn College. And... I was told, I, it was the first time I ever heard of Lubavitch or Chabad, the, uh, these kids won't go to college. And I, I've, all, I've never immediately dismissed something. I always mull it over. I don't always assume that whatever I don't uh, immediately agree with is wrong. And I remember thinking, that's interesting. Not that it's stupid. That's interesting. And I was agnostic. 
I didn't know if it was a good idea or a bad idea. I just found it fascinating. Uh, I, I went to graduate school and went to a, a, a um, you know, what, an Ivy League graduate school. Uh, for decades, I have been telling parents that sending your kid to college is playing Russian roulette with their values. But the only, di- you know what Russian roulette is? Where you, people take a gun and one of the six chambers has a bullet. So they shoot themselves in the head. It's what's called Russian roulette. I don't know if it actually exists, but but that's what it is. The difference with college is five of the six chambers have bullets. Only one chamber doesn't. The chances of college ruining your child, well, now the chances of high school and elementary school ruining your child are, are very high. But it did do you some good. Yeah, because my values, I'm very strong. He was the exception. Yeah, you're so so you're that one. Oh, I I was. I I stuck out at Columbia like like a a grapefruit in a tobacco field. So if someone does go to college, what what would it entail for them to be that one in a million? Well, yes, okay. So then, if your background prepared you, and not all do, yeah. Sometimes if, you even have the background and it's still somehow right, ruins you. That's right, because they didn't get enough hashkafa. Right. Yeah, it's true. They got, and this is, sounds heretical, but it's not, or I don't, I don't mean it to be. They got too much halacha and too little hashkafa. By the way, Edith, Edith's been to college. She's well, a I went, mental health counselor. But I went years after I got married. I didn't go when I was Yeah, well, well, well that, yeah. by the way, that's a big help. Yeah, because she was already People grounded. People go years after they're married or they already have a child, they, they know reality, and, and, and they're not going to be as poisoned. Right. Uh, that, that is a factor. Yeah, because there were times that the Lubavitch Rebbe did tell people that they could go to Correct. college. Correct. I know that. I'm yeah. well aware. I remember what somebody told me about, uh, what was it? Oh, my God. I wish I knew the punchline, but something to the effect that was... A guy was a Balchuva and he was a member of a symphony orchestra. And he just said, you keep playing, man. You, you just keep playing. You don't, you don't leave that world. No, no, he, 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 well, he, he was a special human being. There's, you don't have to be religious. You don't have to be Jewish to understand. This was a special man. End of issue. The Rebbe you're talking people. about. Yeah, the yes. Lubavitcher Rebbe. Yeah. The, 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 and a holy man. Yes, yes. Well, special and holy are pretty, uh, pretty synonymous. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually nice to hear that from you because you are somebody that went to college, and I'm sure you learned a lot in college. But yet, it's not something well, that I you really value. Russian. You learned Russian, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying I it doesn't sound too. like, from what you're saying, that it really is going to necessarily get you places in life. Oh, it may get you to very bad places. It, 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 people don't know. What is going on in college, but again, in high schools and elementary I mean, they're teaching kids who are five years old that you may not be a boy or a girl, you'll choose. It limits your thinking in some ways. Well, it distorts it. Uh, it limits is, is, is an understatement. It distorts it. I don't want my child to be in a classroom where, where they go, okay, tomorrow we have drag queen story hour. You know what that is? This is... You should know. This is where you have to know what's going on in society. It's really bad. They take kids in, in, at five years of age to a library, for example, and they watch a man dressed as a woman perform for them. That's what a drag queen is, a man dressed as a woman. 
No, I haven't heard of it. I mean, it, well, that, that's what this, <laughs> yeah, this is. But I, I can imagine that that's something that goes on. People need to know that the frum have to speak out and be aware. It, it's, it's you create a healthy life, but it's good. I was thinking more birth. in terms. Yeah, but that that's a really good point. I was thinking more in terms of sometimes you see people who go to college end up being very straight thinking more than broad minded, more than broad thinking. You know what I mean? They're just very. Oh, of Never course. Minded, That's why they're okay with suppressing other speech because yeah. the, the, of the narrow-mindedness. And you see a lot of successful people who have not gone to college. That is correct. It, look, if you study STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, you have to go to college. There's no way. You're right. not going to study physics on your own. I understand that. But for, for almost everything else... What did you study when you went to college? I, I studied... Uh, well, I majored, my degree was in history and Middle East studies. But so, that did help you with your books. <laughs> he could well, have done it either way. We know that. Uh, my, my values were so intact that, right. that it, it was a non-issue. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't quite as bad then. It was bad. I wrote a paper. So I was at the Russian Institute at Columbia University. I, I specialized. Communism was my field in graduate school. You, you couldn't specialize in that in, in undergraduate. And... Uh, one of my teachers was a Marxist and a Jew, needless to say. Interesting. No, not needless to say. There were some Marxists who were not yeah. Jewish. But uh, if you were at a university, and, uh, there's a good chance you're a Jewish Marxist. Anyway, so I wrote a paper for him, a comparison of Judaism and Marxism. No, no doubt he had never in his life received such a paper. To his credit, I thought I'd get a D because he would, you know, because I came out in favor of Judaism, but I really had studied a lot of Marxism. And uh, he gave me a B plus, which I was very pleased with. I didn't give really a hoot what, what grades I got. Uh, I wasn't going to go further than in any in academia, uh, but uh, I, that's what I wrote on. And by the way, that was transformed a few years later into the first book I wrote with Joseph Tomushkin, The Nine Questions People Ask About Judaism, which in two years will have its 50th anniversary. Nice. Congratulations. And is still in print and widely read as an introduction to Judaism. And there's a question. One of the nine questions is, how does Judaism differ from Christianity? How does Judaism differ from Marxism? And I don't know what the third one was. Maybe those are the two. And that's where I put the fruit of my Columbia Marxist paper. What what um, drew you to specifically learning Russian and being As I said, it was the Cold War. I wanted to understand the enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, that's why I read newspapers I differ with to, the, to this day. I'm fascinated by people that I believe deeply are doing bad things, how they think. It fascinates me. Although my biggest study has been of goodness, because goodness is rarer than, than badness. In my so opinion. you think there's more evil than good? I do, yes. And, and what, what made you come to that conclusion, just by the people you've interacted with? No, not at all. I, I almost only interact with good people. Uh, I'm very lucky. So what Look, what, what brings what, you to wait, that what, conclusion? What brought God to to destroy the world with the Mabul? 
with the flood. Uh, he looked and he said, wow, this, the, the, it's, uh, uh, the world was filled with violence. But well, that well, same person had the, po- had the potential to be good. All yeah, that's correct. People. No, we all have that potential, but it's a hell of a lot easier to be bad. Yeah. That's, it's a hell of a lot easier to lie than to tell the truth all the time. It's a hell of a lot easier to, uh, to be selfish than selfless. Right. But in essence, it may not be evil. It may be good. It's just that we're, it's easier to be evil. Right. But since evil is what you do, this is an interesting area. I don't know if Chabad and I agree on this. Because uh, uh, this is a major, major uh, crusade I have been on. Yitzir Lev Hadam Raminurav, where God says in Genesis, the, the will of man's heart is towards evil from his youth. So my Chabad friends tell me that they believe that we're basically good. And I says, well, how do you reconcile that with what God says about man? I don't remember the answer because I'm not sure it's persuasive. I think Chabad believes that. They half believe it. I'll tell you why they half believe it is because we have an animal soul and a godly soul. Well, that's exactly right. By the way, this is so precious that you said that. That's my deepest belief, and it's I can't prove it. And I heard it from an Orthodox rabbi once. Who is God speaking to when he says, let us make man in our image? Who's he talking to? So some say it's, it's the traditional Jewish response has been, it's the royal we. God is just not speaking, I'm going to make man. It's a humility. Nice. I have no issue with that. Another one is he's talking to the angels. Okay, uh, I don't buy that one particularly. Uh, the best answer I heard is he was talking to the animals. They were already in existence. And this was told by an Orthodox rabbi. But it's in, totally in line with what you just said. We have an animal nature and a divine nature. So God is saying, we're going to make men, you animals and me, Hashem, God, and you, the animals, we're going to make this creature man who will be half animal and half divine. Our choice in life is do we act like an animal or do we act divine? Exactly, yes. Yeah, but that's that's interesting. <laughs> that um, that's, who, that's what this rabbi told you who was talking to you. Yes, yeah. and in light of that, it's your belief that we're, we're both. Yeah. Well, where does it come from? The job is for us to reveal the godly part of us. That is, yes, uh, right, to ourselves and yeah, to others. And to others, yeah. Yes. Well, that's, uh, I, I speak in my shul every week, and I have for the many decades. So this past weekend, uh, this past Shabbat, I, I talked about something I'm preoccupied with just of late. <laughs> What is a great person? I listened to that podcast that you gave. Oh, you did? Yes. Right. So I have four characteristics, and that is courage, preoccupation with the truth, uh, don't care what others think about them. Uh, In other words, don't yearn to be loved, and, uh, and prepare to be an outlier. Different march to a different drummer. Those are the four characteristics. And I said the Torah wants every one of us to be great. 
What is Mamlechet Kohanim? What a Goy Kadosh to be a, a kingdom of priests and a holy a holy nation. And then I I pointed out to Chelet the the blue in the tzitzit in the in the in the strings of the of of what were men are supposed to wear is royal blue. In other words, you're supposed to be great like a king. The Torah wants us to be great. Do you know? Do you have anyone in mind? Do you know anyone great? I do actually. By the way, here's an interesting thing. Every I asked the shul. 150 people come each week. So I asked them, I didn't ask them to raise their hand, but I just said, I'm going to take a moment of silence. I want you to think, do you know any great people? My suspicion is almost everyone knows a great person, at least one. And that's inspiring. Very. Not only that, though, this is really important. People confuse fame with greatness. Most famous people are not great, and most great people are not famous. That is incredibly important for people to understand. If you touch one life and you embody those four things I just said, courage, uh, don't yearn, I'll talk about the don't yearn to be loved in a moment. Courage, don't yearn to be loved, commitment to truth, and um, an outlier. Are they in any hierarchical order? No, no, they're not. I guess I guess none of it is possible without courage. But I, I would say if you pursue truth, that makes you courageous. So you could right. you could interchange them. Truth is the most important thing there is. All evil comes from lies. The Nazis did their evil because they lied about Jews. And there are m- massive lies being told today, which are which are very very uh, scary. Like you know. Sex is not binary. There are there are more than two sexes. I mean that that is a horrible lie. Uh, don't yearn to be loved is a very important one. If you want to be good at anything, a good teacher, a good politician, a good parent, mm-hmm. if you want to be loved by your children at all times, you will be a lousy parent. So how would you say, instead of looking at it that way, how would you say to gain the love from your children or gain the love from the people? To, well, to you, speak truth or be yourself? That's right. You, you, and let the chips fall where they may. That is exactly correct. Uh, that, that The crisis in America today is largely parents were preoccupied with being loved, not being respected. For a little example, they bend down to talk to their kid. The kid should look up to you. That's a physical act. You're not their equal. And get that through your mind. You are not your children's peer. They have peers. They're called friends. So therefore, I have another shita. I'm filled with these. <laughs> and, and that is, you should be, you should yearn and work to be loved by only two people. Friends and your spouse. You should work to be loved by your spouse and your friends, but not by your children, not by your students, not by the people who vote for you. And how did you come to that conclusion? I don't know the answer. (laughs) I just came to that conclusion. Yeah, but it it makes sense. Yes, it does. That's why I call my Torah commentary the rational Bible. If it doesn't make sense, you reject what I say. It has to make sense. So those four things in a spousal relationship... 
That's good that's in a, a spousal relationship. Right, right. Oh, that's right, huge. Because right. then you don't take your spouse for granted. Right. But but it's not true for your, your relationship to your children. Any, they don't need a pal. They need a parent. You're the only one they get, or one of two that they get. You better you, you better honor that role. By the yeah, way, it says great. love your neighbor. It says love uh, God. It says love the stranger. It doesn't say love your parent. It says honor your parent. And not yeah. only that, and it's the only creature on earth you're told to honor, that there's a commandment to honor. And not only that, but you're also told... Ish imova avitiro, that a person is to fear his mother and father. By the way, almost all the modern English translations, including Jewish ones, say revere. They're afraid of the Torah text. The thought of kid fearing the parent bugs them. So here I used I used my uh my my human laboratory, my talk show. I had a sh- I had an hour once. Call me up and tell me if you didn't use drugs in high school and college, why didn't you? I was curious. I had wow. no idea what they'd say. Almost right. every caller said because my mother would kill me. If they didn't fear their mother, they'd have used drugs. Wow. Fear of parent is a very very important thing. You know why it, that might be so? Because actually the reason, I've heard this um, from a rabbi too, the reason why honor your mother and father is in the same, with the lachot, it's in the yes. same row as all the commandments of God, right. um, is because we are partners as parents with God. That's right. I, I, and we have I agree to fear with that. God. And I, so. have another, I have another view as well. Where there, if, if your parent is not above you, God will not be above you. The authority of the parent is the vehicle to the authority of God. Wow. So big I am on that. And I'll tell you another thing. Every cult, uh, and the Nazis and the communists and cults, the first thing they do is kill parental authority. That's what's happening in schools. You have no right to know whether your kid says he's a, he's a girl. Uh, again, these are things you got to follow because what's happening in schools is a monstrosity. They're, they they have contempt for parental authority in schools today. It's it's not a, it's hap- it, it's happening in the religious world as well. I mean, the philosophy of parenting has changed. Is that right? Yeah, there's philosophy. I mean, I think that it's more about actually similar to how you grew up, though. Let, let the child be. Now it's more about let the child be instead of well, yeah. But you, you giving I, instructions. I grew up in a very strong value oriented place, right? They, and and they didn't let me be till I was fourteen, right? But and also, when parents say, "Oh, so I should let my child do what he wants," I said, "Well, it depends what the, the what those wants are. If he if he wants if he's not going to do schoolwork and is just going to go to parties or play video games, forget it." I was learning Russian and how to conduct orchestras. Right, so I guess, there's a big difference. Yeah, that is a big difference. Yes. but that's not necessarily what kids are doing uh, today. They, that's correct. Yeah, and that's more of the philosophy: is let kids be. Well, you have a built-in. There's uh, the from world has a built-in advantage of the kids don't use their cell phone one day a week. Yes, that is a big advantage. Huge beyond words. I see it with my grandchildren because my oldest son is Orthodox. And it is it is a total joy to see that. What they do is they actually play with friends. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, the old-fashioned, just be with human beings. 
And the boundaries, boundaries also help. Boundaries don't, they're everything. Kids need boundaries more than they need love. This is another Narishkeit nonsense about the modern age. All kids need is love. They need a lot more than love. They need boundaries. That's number one. Or as John Rosemond, a child psychologist, put it, kids need vitamin N more than any other vitamin. Vitamin N is no. If you aren't right. saying no so to your kids, that kid, is not necessarily not the philosophy vitamin. today. I'm saying I know. Yeah. Well, you're telling me that it's if it's not even in the from world, then it shows how powerful societal influence is, even in in somewhat sealed off communities. I said Hashkafa is so important. You have to learn the values issue. It's not it. Your your kid could know the shots by heart. But if they don't get the, the, the values to confront the challenges of the society, that then all the blot Gomorrah won't help. How do you teach? Can you teach someone to have courage? Someone who's maybe shy or timid or doesn't well, really Well, as I know. said, the only way to get courage is to decide you want it. it the only way to learn Portuguese is to, is to learn Portuguese. Right. Basically, anything you want, you can have if you do it. I don't. I don't mean gold, golden, you know, faucets, but it within you, you can do it. You if want you, you, you want to play the piano, play the piano. Uh, but it takes effort. With courage, I would ask, "What are you afraid of?" That's what I would be. The, what are you afraid of? Let's say, say someone's afraid of flying. The answer to a fear of flying is to fly. Right. That's the only way to overcome the fear. And how do you do that? Take a sedative, take two friends to hold on to their hands, do whatever you need to do, but get on a damn airplane. That is the only way to stop being afraid. Right. People are afraid of being attacked. If they take a position, uh, they'll be attacked on Facebook or whatever. Uh, fine. It will hurt you in the beginning. And then, it, it, like the airplane, it won't matter. Right. So, I think rejection is what people are probably afraid of. Well, right. But but uh, I'd rather be accepted by God and rejected by man. That's a good one. So yeah. can you share with us, uh, um, while we're discussing now courage and, courage and God, someone that you consider great? Because we, I wanted to go back to that. I just wanted to hear somebody that well, comes to mind for you. Well, uh, I, I, I must say, I feel that I have a a number of great people in my life. Uh, my wife would be embarrassed if I said, uh, if she heard me say this. So I, I'm warning her in advance <laughs> to you know, go to the bathroom at this point. <laughs> but she is a great person. She she That's has so she has exactly what I just described. That's how you came to the conclusion. You well, it's, that- it's part. That's right. Yes. I believe that the, the, the guy who's PragerU, the gigantic website that I run that has billions of a billion views a year, PragerU or Prager University, Alan Estrin came up with that idea. I think he's a great man. Oh, I, I, I truly, uh, I, I don't lack for great people in my life. And, That's great. Huh? That's great. It is great. That is exactly <laughs> correct. But it's very important that people not confuse great with famous. Right. But they, they, it does exist to 
I, I mean, I would like to think that you can find someone that's famous and great, that has both elements. Yes. No, no. It, it doesn't disqualify you. Just it's it's not indispensable to greatness. Right. It doesn't make the famous part does not make no, you great. No, that's correct. Yes. But you can but, have both. Right. That's exactly right. I, I would like to be a great man, and I, I don't mean famous. I, I have fame, and the, the beauty of it is... Only one thing. This is what I care about in, in fame. Oh, good. That means you've read another one of my books or heard one of my lectures. Because I really, I wrote in my diary in junior and high school, I want to influence people to the good. I knew what I wanted to do with my life when I was 16 years old, and I have not wavered one iota. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Did you ever question? Never. Never questioned. I was very lucky. My my older son said to me when he was 20, Dad, you don't realize how lucky you were. You knew exactly who you are and what you wanted to do as a kid. Most kids don't know that. And, and that's the beauty of having kids. You you learn about human beings. So so you always knew you wanted to have a radio show? No, I, I had no idea. I I. I had no idea how I would influence people. Oh, but you knew you wanted to influence. That's all I wanted but to do. But don't you think it does take, if you're, it's very nice if someone is great and they're famous, because if they're famous, they can have influence. Well, that, yes. Well, more influence. More influence. Yes. But, but by definition, a limited number of people can have massive influence. Right. How many people can be famous? It's, it's a limited number by, by definition. Right. So does that mean that doing good in this world is, right. is limited no, one, to to oh one percent of humanity? Right. You can just affect more people, I guess. But yeah, that's all. It's a number. That's yeah. correct. But you can. Yes, one that's person right. at a time. I, listen, the greatest single achievement is raising good children. There is no achievement that comes close to that. That's the toughest. Yeah, and like your dad said. It was good muzzle. Well, half, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he said good muzzle, but I would say 50-50. Yeah, that, good. I'm glad you confirmed that. <laughs> yes. No, no, look. Uh, by the way, do you know, ironically, I mean, they, my parents were not particularly loving. I don't say this as a criticism. It was that that generation was not huggy, huggy, huggy. Right. And uh, Are you huggy, huggy? Oh, very much. I, I hug strangers. Oh, I, I hug. I, the, the drop of the hat, I hug people. I, I, I love hugging. I so hug, that's interesting I, that you became huggy. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yes. Big, big time huggy. More and more so than my brother, uh, interestingly, growing up in the same home. But uh, we're born with personalities. Right. I, I, I have a great saying. I have contempt for humanity, but I love people. <sighs> and that, that's the truth. Right. That is exactly how I feel. So I said, I think there's more evil, but the but uh, there are a lot of great people, or and even good people. But yeah, so I hug my boys a lot. Yes, that is true. But but uh, I, I my so my parents, uh, they they you know why my parents did not spend much time with with my brother or me? They were so in love with each other. Ah, uh-huh. isn't that interesting? They were the focus of each other's attention. Wow! So you saw they that. were married. 72 years. Wow. When my mother died at 89, my father was 90, it, it essentially ended his life. And he was a very happy guy till then. 
And after that, it wasn't the same for him. Uh, my, I, I never saw my father cry once in my life. And after my mother died, he cried every time I, I talked to him. So it sounds like you you lived with a very special relationship watching it. Well, I did. I did. They, they, they were crazy about each other. That is exactly right. How did it manifest? Like, what types of things did you see? Well, they, they went out a lot. Uh, my, my father would be physically demonstrative, which was very uncommon in the Froome world, to my mother in front of us. Uh, he, he would, he, you know, he, my father was a character. Uh, I'm a character. My father was a character. <laughs> my son is a character. And my grandson is a character. It's really funny. What, it, what do you mean by character? I'm just curious. Yes. You, a, you know eccentric? what? It's sort of, you want, you can't define it, but when you meet one, you know who it is. Okay. <laughs> and by the way, here's an interesting, I, you know, I have, I, I explore every aspect of life. And here's another theory number 85236. <laughs> I used to think there were more male characters than female characters. I don't think that anymore. I have been meeting a lot of women who are characters. It's, and do you do you think that's a good thing? I do. Yeah. Characters are a good thing. Char- well, they they are. They 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 liven up the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's one of their their aspects. The, and if you're not look, if you're not a character, you can't become one. And if you are one, you can't stop being one. It just it just is. It's it's your nature. It's like punning. I was Right before you came, there was a man visiting and he was cracking puns. And I said, you know, I have a theory about punsters. They can't help themselves. I've not, I haven't cracked a pun in my life. No? I don't know how. <laughs> but people who pun naturally, they can't stop. <laughs> they think in puns. Yes. They pun think in, in puns. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Um, it's I, I, You said I can ask you anything. So I just want to ask you. Because you saw this very special and a loving relationship with your parents. And yeah. then you went through your own journey right. where you were divorced right. and remarried. So what was that like for you? Like, were you shocked? that Shocked. Just- I was totally shocked. Uh, and um, when I was divorced, and I, 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 I say everything, I was divorced twice, actually. The, the, the woman who died, died after our divorce. By the way, for the record, I was a very good husband, but it doesn't matter. And I'm not saying they were bad wives at all. Good people can not necessarily get along. I mean, they, but in the, in, in the case of my, the wife of 17 years, that was, that was painful to watch her, her descent into depression and sadness and, and all the things that go with that. It is what it is. And I realized it is what it, anyway, when I divorced in the first case, uh, I was heartbroken. I thought I'm ruining my child's life because I have a child from each marriage. And it's, there's a certain irony here because he divorced the, my Orthodox son, the older one, when his child was about the age of well, that he was when I divorced his mom. And he's doing fine, my grandson, and my son is doing fine. Do I wish that I that it was a good marriage and it would have stayed intact? You can wish all you like. It wasn't. Listen to this. This will blow your mind. Sitting in that seat, I'd say 10 years ago, 
So he was, he would have been 29 or 30. And, and, uh, uh, I'm so open. I asked him on the air and I did not know what he would say. This was a gamble. I said, David, how do you regard the divorce of your mother and me? For all I know, he could have said, look, the truth is it it was traumatic. I mean, I've worked it through, but dad, to be honest, it, it it was a difficult thing. But you know what his answer was? He said, my view is God brought you and mom together to make me. How's that? Sounds like he's your son. It does. I, I agree. That's a very, <laughs> that's a very astute are. observation. I felt that inside of me. That's the that's the answer I I, I was hoping for as, as it happens, and 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 I, and I don't think it's wrong. He he cracks up because by the way, his mother and I get along great. It's not even an issue, and which is wonderful for him. By the way, I always tell divorced people. It's not the divorce that hurts kids. It's what happens after the divorce. Right. That's the damage. If the parents hate each other, if they're fighting constantly, if that, that, or bad, God forbid, bad mouthing the other. Well, Mrs. Telushkin, Devorah Telushkin actually told me something very special about you. She said there was some gathering and your ex-wives were there. Um, and your wife, and you said something beautiful about each person made everybody oh, feel good. Oh, thank you for reminding me. I, I re- now I remember that. I did do that. Yeah, and so, and I meant it. Yeah, I thought that was very unique. Yes. Well, you work you work at what's good in life, and then and then then you can achieve it. But I think it takes two people to to come. To well, or, come to or a at least of- one, and then the other catches up, right. hopefully. But I, I hear horror stories about divorced people who, you know, especially where there's bad-mouthing of the other or just... Do you think you, you're a different person now to who you were then? Like, do you think that... I don't I be- don't think so. I can only say that uh, I've, I've had my share of pain. It's a good thing I've had it. I don't think I would be uh, as, as developed as I am if I had a painless life. I don't think a painless life is a good life. In fact, I, here's a real wild one. I have posed the question on the radio, is a, is a happy childhood a blessing? It sounds ridiculous. Everybody thinks, oh, that's the best. I'm not sure. Do you know the finest people I know had real challenges as children? I'll give you an example because she's very open. So I do a podcast with a 23-year-old girl slash woman. I, I I thank God for her existence, Julie Hartman. And everybody listening should watch or listen to Dennis and Julie. We've listened and yeah, we, we love it. Oh, it's it's special. It's it special is. also because of your age difference. That's right. Yes, but it doesn't mean anything. Right. Yeah. That's what's so amazing. Right. And that you're Kindred able to spirit. hear each other. Yes, yeah. yes. It doesn't matter to her and it doesn't matter to me. It's we it's weird almost. Yeah. So uh she is truly, truly a special human being. And one of the reasons for her empathy and goodness is that she has a severely autistic sister. This has played a deep role in her life of of not having it easy and knowing that people suffer. So uh, 
a bad childhood is no blessing, but a, but an, a painless childhood is no blessing either. Right. Parents are too busy trying to make a painless childhood for their kid. It's like antibodies. If you never get sick, you you have no antibodies. Is this Chabad's See, philosophy, by the way? Because you often, Chabad, like Tanya actually will say that you need to go to, through a painful experience in order to get to a place of growth and joy. I'm telling you, as as one Chabad rabbi, maybe rest <laughs> in peace, Schwartzy, he was known. He's, yes, he's got a he's got a book called. Um, I I told you that's what. Oh really? Oh, from, I love um, that guy. Francisco, right? Yeah, yeah. He was my first uh, Chabad Chabad. I love rabbi. how that happens. It's called. Oh really? Yeah. So, uh, what was I going to tell you? We're both friends Schwartzy. with his daughters. I'm sorry. We're both friends with his daughters. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and did so you know him? I didn't, my husband did. I didn't uh-huh, personally yeah, know him. Yeah, I, I knew him for many years. And I forgot the story. I it oh, out. no, we want to hear the story. I know, Schwartzy. I'm sure you do. I'll call you up when okay. you're back in New York. No, why, yeah. why did we come to this? Why were we discussing that? Oh, about because um, I was saying. Oh, yes, friend. I now remember. He said to me, <laughs> when you said that's Chabad philosophy, yeah. I was thinking half of what I say turns out to be Chabad, not half, <laughs> nine-tenths. And he, he once looked at me and he said, Dennis, you are uh, a you're you you're a, a chabadnik in the closet, said, <laughs> and I am a hippie in the closet. <laughs> it was a very it's true. true. He had a true hippie personality, and I I don't, but but he did, and and uh, but it is true. I I I am a chazid in, in the closet. That that I I realize it because of my my affection for chabad, and it it's. The ease that I feel uh, with uh, with you, and and I feel it's reciprocated. You know, I've been the MC of the Chabad Telethon for twenty five years. I mean, you know, yeah, we um, we were discussing you last night because we actually interviewed Rabbi Kunin's daughter. She gives a Tanya class. Oh, I know. Class. That's right. I you know. Her oh, yes, too. that's yes, right. Correct. She told us. Yes. yes. So we interviewed her last night because she gives amazing Tanya yes. classes. She's very learned. Her name is Rachel Schmuckland. She has an amazing podcast with Tanya classes. Your task is to, to even get out to the world more. You you really have a healthy outlook. And and, and it, it has to be shared because it's if we don't share it, that's that's my whole life. Is hey folks, this is the best book ever written, the Torah. And it's got universal lessons. So I don't think I, I know that God gave the Torah to the Jews, it's obvious, but I I I believe it's our task to then give it to the world. It shouldn't stop with us. We're we're one we're tiny percentage of the world's population. You follow these laws because that's your your chachma, like that's what Chabad is. And it is your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the nations. God cares about what the nations think. What's the most challenging part of doing what you do for you? Oh, the, this, I'll tell you honestly, the, the single most uh, challenging is the uh, American Jews have, have so imbibed uh, the, the values uh, that are antithetical to, to Judaism as I and you understand it. And they really don't like me. I'm called a conservative, and they're and they're liberal or leftist. 
Does that bother you? It only bothers me because it means that, that, that they won't get to read my Torah commentary or they won't get to hear a speech that I have to give, which could help their marriage or their kids. That's, it doesn't bother me for me. I, I am impervious to hatred. It, it, uh, it's a gift from God. I get an immense amount of love. By the way, I have a, I have a sheet on that. Prager theory number 4273. <laughs> you'll love it. Okay. You'll like, you like the other. You'll, you really will love it. If you let compliments go to your head, you will let insults go to your heart. So That's you, such a good one. You can't let either happen. And I don't. Because sometimes the you can compl- have a lot of people love you, but uh, you're only focused on the person that hates you. That's right. Well, that means then that the compliments went to your head. Right. right. If the compliments don't go to your head, the insults won't go to your heart. It, it just you, it you can't so just sense. choose yeah, one. They, they, they will both affect you. Neither affects me. I'm very touched by the love. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, but I'm touched by it. It doesn't go to my head. Right. So oh, I'm terrific. There's a difference between being touched and being affected. That's correct. That yeah. is right. So how would you be touched? And so touched means it meant like it's it, meaningful. It, it means something. People, there is not a day in my life if I'm outside of my house that's, that strangers don't come over to me. Okay. Uh, and you, you know, oh, and it's usually, oh, I love you. Oh, thank you. God bless you. This. Can we get a selfie? And and I'm touched by that. Of course, I'm touched by it. It, it. I'm not a machine. But if if ten people stop me in the street and go f you Prager, you're 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 disgusting. You, you okay? It, it 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 wouldn't ruin my day. It, it would be sad to me, just as the other one. I'm happy about. It would be sad to me that people have a view of me which is so perverse. But. Uh, I live with both, huh? But let's say in the other one, uh, something touches you. How would you, what would you say is the negative of that, of being affected, like you being affected? Sad. No, how, what would be, your ego would get in the way? I'm talking about, let's say someone. Oh, you mean if it did go to yeah, my head? If someone wanted to take a selfie with you or whatever yeah. it is, you, you, no, someone I, said it, something it, it's nice It's so to far me. from going to my head that I can't even imagine. In fact, <laughs> it's funny you should ask because I've actually said, because one of the, most frequent things that I'm told by people who work with me is I'm not a prima donna. So I, I, I actually think often I would like one day to be a prima donna. <laughs> I want to know what does it feel like? Do they love it? Or is it, does it make you really happy? I just, I'd like to well, know you, one you can day. Do it for how, how would you I do it? I can't. I don't know what it's like. No, but I'm it's saying like you, said if, me to be, you said to, if you want something, you can make it happen. Oh, that's very funny. <laughs> But it would be such a phony act because <laughs> I, 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 whenever great things happen, and, and a lot of great things have happened in my life. I mean, I spoke in the Danish parliament, you know, a few months ago. It's, it's not a little thing, but I, you know what? You know what is in my mind? I, I've gone a long way since Yeshiva Rambam. <laughs> that's, that's all. I still think of. That is Prager Yeshiva Rambam. There's always that little voice in me. You're not, right, you're not right. so terrific. You know? Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. So did you have to work on, on yourself to get to this place? Uh, where... Not much. Uh, so it came to be naturally. honest, yeah, that, that, I've had battles with myself. Battle against arrogance or, or thinking I'm, you know, I'm, I'm terrific in that stuff. It, it it didn't appear. That's why I I 
I'm abnormal in many, many ways. Here's one. Even <laughs> as a kid, I didn't care about meeting famous people. Oh, Dennis, you know, you can meet this this uh, Hollywood star. We we, we have it. And, I, 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 and now come, you're meeting, now you get to meet all of them and it doesn't do it, I guess. Well, yeah, well, I but not Hollywood stars. Right. But, but yes, I know what you're saying. <laughs> but you know that uh, I did not meet Donald Trump once when he was president. I could have met him plenty of times. Did you not want to? That's correct. And I was a supporter. And why did you not want to? Because then I can't criticize him because it's hard for me to criticize someone Once that I met. Once you meet them? Yes. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's hard for anybody. It's it just, it's human nature. So I have tried to meet no politicians. <laughs> that makes sense. Not, uh, not because of any uh, disdain for them. They do some very good work. But uh, uh, and some do horrible work. Obviously. So you feel like from a distance you can that analyze I have to. Them. That's correct. Yes, that's right. But don't you think you'd get a better analysis if you got if you got to know them in no, person? I don't think so at all. Because the only thing the I care about are their policies, right. not 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 whether they're sweet or nice or not nice. That's that's why when people will tell me, "Well, tr- Trump, uh, he's he's this, he's arrogant, he's he's this, he's bully, he's this." I said, I, I really don't care. I just want to know what he's done for the country. Right. But then God, you wouldn't God necess- will measure his personality. I right. have to measure his policies. Right. Then you wouldn't necessarily analyze those people as great or not great because that's not how you're looking at them. Well, that's a very tough question. The great, the great question is, is complex. I do believe I know great people, and I, and I believe in my working definition of those four characteristics. But it gets very hard with a public figure because they may be truly, truly flawed as humans and great as leaders. That's King David. Right. That's the perfect example. Right. But you said part of being great is sharing truth. He said we have yeah. five minutes. I just wanted oh, to give you a heads up. Oh, we have five minutes. Okay. Yes. No, I'm yes, saying I, not know, necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, no. But I, to I, be a good leader, you want to have all those four qualities. That, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. By the way, there's another very important lesson. Wanna- Quickly, I know because of the time. Yeah, we have we we have I time. Think, we yeah, just don't we have time. Wanna- we don't want to take your time. What? Yeah, <laughs> one second. <laughs> I feel. Oh boy, I theoretically still have to write my column for this week. I might. I was not. actually going to ask very, you that. How I'm do you very- fit in doing talk show and writing? When my book came out, the Deuteronomy <laughs> commentary, I looked at it. And you'd think, oh, I'm ecstatic. Look at it. I finally see it printed in beautiful hardback. I only had one internal reaction. When did I write this? I I can't believe I found the time to do it. I still can't. Uh, anyway, it's just a funny little... Uh, Are you an early riser? No. Oh, no. I'm a total night person. Oh. I go to bed at 2 o'clock. So is that when you get your best work done? I love night? the night. I hate daylight saving time. <laughs> I hate it. It depresses, it depresses you. We're morning people. Oh, yeah. No, no. You want, it's a perfect example of we all have a nature. You can't be a night person no matter what. I can't be a morning person no matter what. You don't think someone can break the uh, cycle? I, I've never heard of anybody doing it. They may do. I do it. Look, I do a morning show. Right. You know, I took a morning show in order to force myself to wake up. And how did that, that go? Was what, well, it's worked out fine. But I get very little sleep. <laughs> right. But uh, Do you function well on little sleep? Yes. That's great. That's because you've got a drive or uh, energy. It's a gift. I don't, I don't have an explanation. It's a gift. 
because I actually wanted to ask you at the age that you're at, which is 74, 74, yeah. you, you have, you have the same energy as someone who is very young. I have young. the same energy I did at 25. I know me very well. What uh, do you think that there is? is not, there is no part of me that is less energetic than when I was in my 20s. Oh, that's so inspiring. I'm so happy to hear. We uh, have that's hope. right. Oh, <laughs> that's correct. Uh, but why do you think that so is? So I asked, I had a feeling you'd ask it. So I asked Alan, my producer, Alan, how do you explain my energy? You know me all these years. And he said, I'm not sure it's explicable. He said, part must be genetic, which I believe my parents were very live, live in their 80s. And partially, it's you get so much uh, positive feedback for the work you do that you're inspired. And that, there is truth to that. I mean, uh, I'm, I don't feel that I'm, I'm in quicksand just trying to get out. I, I you know between the books and the radio show and PragerU with a billion views. So it's the feedback that... that well, not the feedback, again, not in the ego sense, but in, you're, you're, you are ha you're having an effect. It's right. meaning, you're the you're, life of meaning. It's meaningful yes, that you're correct. influencing. We always end our, our podcast yes. with a message that, you know, either a message that resonates with you, that's powerful, that's impacted your life, or a favorite quote. Something oh, for me to, to do. Yes. yes. Like, is, there, is there a quote that you love? Yeah, that well, with I, okay. So uh, just off the top of my head, since you're a spontaneous question. Okay. okay. So this will, uh, uh, I don't want this to depress people at all, but I, I only honored, uh, answer honestly. My favorite verse uh, in the Tanakh is. Um, <laughs> Those of you who love God must, it's a command. Sinur is a command form. You must hate evil. If you don't hate evil, you don't love God. I think that that's it's one of the reasons I'm in love with, with the Torah and with the Tanakh and with Judaism. It hates evil. So that that's a big one. And, and then there's one that I have made up. When people call me up, which they often do, so Dennis, we just had a child. What do you recommend as to us as parents, new parents? I say, here's my recommendation to remember this. Self-control is infinitely more important than self-esteem. That's how you should raise your child. Can Don't you worry elaborate? about their self-esteem. Worry about their self-control. I feel like that yeah, one can, is... can you elaborate on that? Yes. Self-control. Yes. Yeah. Self-control is the Resistance. key to all good in life. Again, one of my theories, difference between a religious education and a secular education in America. In, in religious, this is... I mean, truly religious, Jewish or truly religious Christian school, you learn that the greatest battle in your life is with you. In secular schools, you believe that your greatest battle in life is with America. Big difference. One last thing, since we're in the month of Adar, and Adar is all about joy, what's one thing we can start doing immediately that's easy and attainable that can help us 
become more joyful in our day-to-day life? Well, by far, the key to happiness is gratitude. You, If you're not grateful, you can't be happy. Not only that, if you're not grateful, you can't be good. Gratitude is the mother of goodness and happiness. What so are you if, grateful if, for? If, huh? And we want to know what you're grateful for today. Oh, you, you don't share. have enough time. <laughs> oh, uh, you, I, I walk around every day pinching myself at how lucky I am. How, I, I can't believe for my health, for my wife, for my children, for my friends, for my work, for, for, for my all my the loves of my life. I love music. I mean, it, it's I, I I'm a, I'm a gratitude ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, so that's. If you can't make a serious list of things you're grateful for, you you can't have joy. Mm-hmm. The other is start acting joyful. Because my my the thing that I've said that may have influenced more people than any one other thing, you have a moral obligation to act happy. Right. You can't right. inflict your bad moods on others. Right. Well, that's inspiring. You're Thank inspiring. You. It just was a joy. Thank you. Oh, I'm glad. What a compliment. I'm glad Thank that you. brought you joy because that brought us joy. Oh, good. Well, I, you let me know. I'll, I'll publicize this. Thank you. I oh, would love that. Thank yeah. you. Thank and you. We can't, we can't wait to share your wisdom with our listeners. Well, you did today, hopefully. Oh, you mean getting this out there? Yes. Yeah, yeah we have. We have <laughs> let me know. All, yeah. That's great. Yeah. We have a diverse, yeah. very diverse That you came, one from Miami, one from New York. I'm touched. I really am. Well, we're touched that you have us here, so that you have us on your show. Yes. It's a blessing. May you be blessed. (laughs) You are blessed. Thank you. Amen. And you too, may you be blessed in your life. Continued blessings. Thank you. And your list of gratitude should just keep growing. Amen. (laughs) Amen.